0: 18 uh, Brooke, there you go started there Sunday night and uh, couldn't get very far for our um, storms and popping and no mic and <clears throat> whatever so I, I, I read this verse and I don't want to re-teach or preach on it but basically David uh, made mention that the lord has goodness stored up for those that fear him and so recognizing that the fear of god the reverential respect of god (coughs) is vital to our walk with god if we're going to delight in the lord and please the lord and be Give him glory, then part of what our attitude must be like is a sense of reverence, which means a sense of humility, a sense of recognizing that he is God. I'm not God, he is God. You know, we have a tendency to uh, start telling God what he needs to do Lord, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to, you know. And we're in the presence of God and I it's okay to ask for all kinds of things but doing it with a sense of but Lord you're still God and I yes I would like for you but thank you for being who you are thank you for letting me feel you thank you for letting me talk to you there is a sense of a reverential Respect and even though, and I mentioned that Adam had not ever seen God mad or angry, or uh, yet he knew by just definition that when the Lord, uh, when he had disobeyed God, his response was, I hid it in the garden because i was naked and i was afraid that was his response and of course you know paul mentioned that there is no fear of god in people's lie eyes today and i i would say that is so true about our society there is nothing that they respect they don't respect the rule of law they don't respect Government. they don't respect teachers, they don't respect uh, uh, police, they don't have any respect. And are there abuses? Yes. Are there things that are done wrong? Yes. Are there, uh, yes, 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 all of that, but still there is a very uh, spirit that has gripped our world that I would say uh, is completely without any reverential uh, fear, without any reverence, without, you know, and one writer said, people don't even care to speak evil of dignitaries. They don't care to talk. Uh, they, they, have no, um, they have no fear of God. And all the way back, Abraham, Uh, I mentioned Abimelech when he lied he said his response was I lied to you because I thought you would kill me because I didn't think you feared God and so when you notice the violence and the crime and the anger and the frustration and I understand uh, one of the angels that Uh, one of the horses rather the angel rides is death and it's violence and war and so these spirits are building right now in our our society and you would think you know um, I I remember uh, many years ago when I was in school one of the books that we had to read in junior high or high school was called the Enola Gay I think was the name of it anybody remember that what that was about? Yep, that was the name of the plane that dropped the bomb on uh, Hiroshima, or Hiroshima, and then the other one was one on Nagasaki, and and you know uh, they 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 flew these big long nose, long bodied airplanes over these cities for eight, nine, ten days, whatever it was, two weeks, I don't remember, I can't remember, but they would drop tons of leaflets out and saying, you need to leave, warning them, we're gonna drop a bomb. It's gonna be the worst bomb you've ever seen. We're gonna, we're, you need to leave the city, leave the city, leave the city, shut down. Well, in the eyes of the Japanese, I'm sure they thought that's propaganda. And then the bomb fell and there was complete devastation and annihilation and all of that and and yet unfortunately the Emperor refused to surrender even after the first one and is it good is it bad you know the idea was if we drop this it's going to save so many of our soldiers' lives in, in the Pacific. And and the idea was now that we shown the world, guess what we will have? Peace. We've shown them the big stick and now everybody's gonna get in line. Does that work with your children? Does that work with your grandchildren? Does that work with the police does that work huh it doesn't why there is no respect no you know it, it should motivate actions and yet In fact, Paul said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It ought to do something, but unfortunately it doesn't. And then I read Psalms 47, and I think that's where I stopped with Psalms 47 where this song of praise was centered around how terrible is the Most High, how powerful, how, and so knowing, you say, well, are you supposed to live in abject terror every night that the Lord is gonna erase you and keep you out of heaven? No, no, if he didn't want anybody saved, guess what, none of us could make it huh if he didn't want anybody in heaven guess what anybody here big enough boy to get there (laughs) no way I can't jump up there I can't fly up there I don't if the Lord said nope I'm gonna set the bar here nobody's gonna pass so it's not a question of fear that you know oh lord i don't know if i'm saved i don't know if i'm living for you then repent and say lord wash me cleanse me and get up a righteous man falls seven times but what does he do gets up and you know i i i told uh, richard went monday and uh, Uh, he has to serve his time for 30 days and I told him before he went in I said you know we're going to make it through this we're going to come out you're going to do good why you know stay uh, recognizing that guess what the Lord you know you learn from it I told him I said Richard embrace it learn from it now when you think of individuals like Jacob who had conned Esau he had conned his brother he had lied to his dad his mom and dad were fighting over who should get the blessing and he ran from his family he was all alone he knew he would probably never see his dad alive again he actually did but Uh, He thought his family would be gone, devastated. He would never see this home. And so he ran away from home because of what he had done. He had sold beans and he had done these things. He had gotten himself into a jam, into a corner. And his name... And Jacob meant heel grabber which is another way of saying manipulator he grabs what he wants does what he wants and he nobody tells him anything you know i do what i want to do and that's what he had done all of his life he had he he put on hairy things on his arm I, anyway it was all about who he was and he's now leaving home and he fell asleep on a rock now that's hard but you put a pillow for a rock i can think i would have found some sand i mean on my arm i don't think i would have laid on a rock i mean you've got to be exhausted to sleep with your head on a rock i would think Uh, as a matter of fact one time uh, we were camping and and there was a rock underneath the tent and and uh, I, it, in the way I turned, it was either in my back or my shoulder or my hip. And I'm like, whoever set this tent up? <laughs> I, I went out and invested in a cot. After that, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not laying down with it anyway. Point is, uh, he was he was there, and uh, he was uh, uh, fell asleep. And and the Lord gave him five promises. He said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac. Notice that. What a powerful promise that the Lord speaks to Jacob. I am the God of your grandpa and of your dad. So in other words, it was like the Lord was basically saying, I I have not forsaken you, I have not left you, you've gotten yourself in a jam, you're running, but I am still your God. I'm the God of your grandpa, I'm the God of your dad. And then he gave Jacob the promise that had been given to his grandpa the land wherein you lie, I will give it to you and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and shall spread above the west and the east and the north to the south and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That was the promise that was originally given to Abraham, to his grandpa. What a promise that the Lord in that moment Of desperation in that moment of despondency the Lord basically said to Jacob I'm going to keep my word Wow and then he said he went a step further verse 15 behold I am with thee Wow that's that's amazing I'm gonna walk with you Jacob Imagine, you're, you're running, you're, you're leaving, you don't have any place to go, and to think the Lord comes up and says, I'm going to go with you. What a powerful promise. And then he goes, not only am I going to walk with you, but I'm going to keep you. In all those places that you go. And then not only am I going to keep you, but I'm going to bring you back here. And I will not leave you. I am going to say it again. Until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. Of. Wow! What some what powerful, powerful promises to Jacob in a moment of his being very despondent. He woke up out of his sleep, and what was his response? Surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not and notice verse 17 and he was afraid and said how dreadful is this place this is none other than but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven so what are you saying when you you know I don't I don't want to say I I I doubt all these things that I have read over the years but anybody that I know that has really gotten into the presence of God either falls to their face knocked over like dead or has a whole change of attitude of oh God you are amazing I'm sorry somebody writes a book and tells you yeah me and God we were talking the other day and we were just uh, uh, I'm like okay well I, I think if I was ever in the <laughs> whoa <laughs> like the guy that you know the bright light Speaking of Hiroshima, I mean, imagine the light, the the shock wave, the air. I I think it would cause a little pause. I I don't. I'm sorry. When, well, I told God the other day. I'm I'm here to tell you, and God said, well, he he and I we talk and. uh you ought to have a cha- attitude change. Can't be too arrogant. Job, you know, when he got in the presence, he was like, "Oh Lord, I heard about you, but now I got a glimpse." <laughs> Moses put me in a cleft of the rock. I mean, Daniel on his face. In fact, you know, even just seeing the miracles of God, when God performs miracles. It it is not to make us arrogant. You know, look at me. I'm a great faith healer. Everybody stand back. I can speak and this happens and I that doesn't go with operating in the as a channel of God. I'm sorry. Those are not if you are really being channeling the Spirit of the Lord, you're gonna be like, it's not me. <laughs> it's something else it's not giving me the credit let me tell you what I did well let me tell you what I did the other night I walked through the hospital ward and I healed everybody that was there and I, I just did this and I did that and I did and I, 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 I I, I think something's wrong with that and I read books You know, and they'll say I did this and I did that and I went here and I saw this and I did and I, when I read them I just wonder did they really channel the Lord or what? Because when, it, it, in my opinion, whoa, there is a dread, there is a fear, there is a respect. <clears throat> in fact, Simon in Luke the fourth chapter, you read it very carefully. Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, had a great fever. At the end of Luke four, and they besought him for her then when they went to jesus and they said simon's mother is burning up with fever and Uh, Jesus came stood over her rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and ministered unto them and then the sun was setting and people started coming out of those houses and he was healing people that were sick and with disease and and he was laying his hands on every one of them and healing them and devils were being cast out that's that's how Luke the fourth chapter ends with all these miracles and yet Luke the fifth chapter, that's Luke four, all these miracles, Luke the fifth chapter, you read the first 11 verses, and people started pressing the Lord because He's healed people, and so they started getting closer, and they wanted to hear the Word of God. And so Jesus was standing by Lake Gennesaret, and there were some ships out in the lake, and the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets now why is that important because what it tells you is they had been fishing all night simon peter's mother-in-law is healed all these people start crowding they start healing them, casting out devils and then people start pressing the next morning now simon and his friends, maybe John, James, I don't know who all in these other boats. And they had gone out into the lake and fished all night. And they're washing their nets. And he says, hey, bring me your boat, Simon's boat, Simon Peter. And so Simon, he in fact, the Bible says he prayed him that he would, thrust out a little bit from the shore because the people were so crowded. He wanted them to hear him. So he said, move back out into the, out into the water. And he started preaching. And he started teaching. And I don't know how long it took, uh, but Jesus sat down. So, I mean, it must have been a little while, more than a five-minute sermon, more than a Wednesday night or whatever. He, he was preaching and teaching whatever and then he stops and he turns to Simon what is he saying go out into the deep and put down your fish your nets now now first of all we just washed them (laughs) and secondly you don't catch fish out there in the deep water you, you, you bring your net and you bring it to shore where it's shallow and because if you put it out in the deep, it won't catch anything. And Simon couldn't stop himself. He, he said, you know, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. Now, what happened? You all know the story, what happened? The filled the nets with fish, they start, they pull them up and it's the boat starts singing, they have to get the other boat, they have to spread the, fill both ships so that they begin to sink. How did Simon respond? He fell down. Just seeing the miracles made him over, overwhelmed. And he said, I, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. It made him want to repent. I, I'm here to tell you when we when we look around and we see the miracles that God has done, it ought to impact us emotionally to make us say, Lord, I need to do right. You are an amazing God. If you see a miracle, if you see, it ought to make, whew. Simon was, oh Lord, make, generate repentance. I, I mean, Maybe not you all, but I'm just trying to think in terms of, hey Lord, we got a great thing going here. We can do fish. We can sell fish. We can make a lot of money. Can you do this every day? We won't fish all night. I'm going to think of a way to capitalize on this venture. Huh? Huh? We're gonna set up Simon Peter's guide for fishing. I wanna publicize it around the world. I know how to catch fish. No, it, it, it brought a transformation to Simon. And, and when you recognize that, and of course other disciples John fell down at the mount of transfiguration and you remember where did he write when did he write revelation he had been with the lord he had walked with the lord he had been the mount of transfiguration He had done all of these things, and yet on the Isle of Patmos, 50, 60, 70 years later, when all of a sudden there was the Lord standing there. What was John's response? He fell as if he were dead when he saw the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about what I I call here servile or servile, servile fear. As a servant, there's a difference. If you remember the parable in Matthew the 25th chapter, when the master gives three servants, the you know, he leaves one, one, one talent, three talents, five talents. Another story records it one, five, ten. Well, the guy that, had ten doubled it, the guy had five doubled it, the guy that had three doubled it, and the guy that had one, remember what he did? He said, I, I buried it, I hid it because I was uh, afraid. Not talking about being afraid that makes you not do anything. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid of the Lord. But what we would call a filial. Or a child of God fear where you know <clears throat> one of my an interesting verse from the Old Testament right after the Lord has given the commandments and he's doing all these things the Exodus the 20th chapter and the 20th verse says Moses said to the people fear not everybody say fear not For God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces. (laughs) Fear not because you need to have his fear. That's why Paul could tell Timothy God has not given us the spirit of fear of these things because there is a greater fear. Okay? And that's because the greatest fear always wins out you you understand what I'm saying I mean if you were out at the garden and you were afraid maybe there's been a rabbit in your garden and all of a sudden a rattlesnake starts crawling up your leg are you going to be worried about the rabbit that's been eaten in the garden? (laughs) I mean, you know, if you're afraid of, you know, well, uh, whatever, and all of a sudden a bigger fear comes along. Boom! My heart starts going out. I'm not going to... afraid what am I going to have for supper tonight or I'm afraid of what somebody's going to say about me and all of a sudden a lion shows up in my front room. You're not going to go, oh, wow, I'm more afraid of what Sally's going to think about me. Right now, I'm afraid of getting out of the way of the lion. So the biggest fear, so that's why Moses would say, fear not, let God be your fear in other words that Lord I I want to serve you and my last scripture and I, I know it's found in first Peter the first chapter where and there are several examples and other scriptures we can do but it says but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy verse 17 and if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work pass the time of your sojourning here in fear not being afraid that the you're not going to make it to heaven but being respectful of, oh God, I want to do my best for you. I want to live my best for you. I want to delight in you. I want to worship you. I want to be an example of your spirit. For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with uh, corruptible things as silver and gold, but with from the uh, with your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or without spot in other words when you, real, when you think of all that he has done and you think of all the things that God has done for us how can we not say Lord I want to serve you I want to worship you. I want to praise you. I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I need your spirit. That's that's the whole key. Is our our relationship right now is Lord? We want to fear not about others, but let Him be our fear, and that's how we delight in the Lord. And you know this from a natural standpoint. If your children show you some respect it's the greatest thing right just from a natural thing when they appear to not have any respect for what you say or do or you feel like what have I done right or wrong or where have I missed the point because that's that's the How do you delight in them is the fact that they have that sense of respect and and, uh, honor. Lord bless you.